You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Good day, Braves fans, and welcome back to the Tomahawk Take Podcast. Certainly, our team has been having a lot of those good days this week, but with this podcast, we're going to do something a bit different. Another writer for Tomahawk Take, Kyle Walter, has taken the initiative to interview someone that I think you're going to find pretty fascinating as we peel back one of the curtains that allows us to see some of the things we don't often think about when it comes to the inner workings of Major League Baseball. Kyle is talking today to Esteban Bejeano, who is in charge of authentication with the Miami Marlins. If you collect baseball gear, memorabilia, baseballs, jerseys, anything that's authentic in the sport, These are the guys who make sure that you're getting the good stuff. Every team has a department dedicated to this task for reasons you'll hear about. For the Atlanta Braves, for instance, that person is Elise Costa. So with that as an introduction, here's Kyle's chat with Esteban. Hey guys, uh, my name is Kyle Walter. I'm a contributor for Tomahawk Take, and I'm here today speaking with Esteban. Esteban, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. My pleasure, Kyle. Thanks for having me, brother. Um, for anybody who may be unfamiliar with his work, he runs the authentics department for the Miami Marlins. So Esteban, the first thing I'll ask you is, how did you get into the authentic side of the industry? What really made you interested in it? That's a great question. So uh, I think it's probably going to be specific to, to, to my team, the Marlins. Uh, I've been a collector myself, you know, mostly jerseys and, and helmets uh, for the better part of like 12 to 15 years. And after um, COVID hit, uh, the gentleman that was working for the Miami Marlins uh, as the coordinator, he, um, or actually right before it hit, he actually stepped away because he was going to pursue a sort of business opportunity for himself. And then, of course, the program got hit. Uh, a lot of furloughs, unfortunately, as, as was seen throughout all, uh, you know, MLB. Yeah. And um, it, it got dropped into my, my boss's sort of lap, but he oversees so many other things being a VP with the Marlins that the program was just not really being handled. 
Um, so I remember at one point chatting with him on a, on a phone call about an item uh, that I was interested in. And I'm like, Hey man, you know, I'm a school teacher. My summers are pretty, uh, pretty wide open. And he's like, Oh yeah, let's talk about it. This was like in September, 2020. And then come, you know, summertime, 2021, I, I, I still remember that. And I'm like, Hey man, like I would really like to, to sort of, you know, help you guys with this. I'm knowledgeable. I'm well connected in the community. Uh, I could bring, you know, a lot to you guys, um, more so than say like somebody that you would just hire off the street who wouldn't be as knowledgeable as I am. Yeah, definitely. And, and, um, he's like, all right, let's, let's make it happen. So July 27th was my first day. I'm still a full-time English teacher at a high school here for, I have juniors and seniors. And I basically drive down during the home series. I'll take that Friday off from work, drive down to Miami, work all day, filling orders, uh, you know, doing as much inventory as I can because the inventory itself was sort of just, just sort of sat there for, for almost two seasons. Uh, and then, of course, now we have the uh, end of season 2021 items coming in, too. So that's exciting. Um, but, yeah, that's basically how it happened. It's, it's uh, to, to me, Kyle, to, to kind of put it to you in the most surreal kind of way. I'm selling items now working for the Miami Marlins to people that I had dealt with previously as Esteban, the collector. And I think that's such a cool feeling. Uh, there was a gentleman actually that came down to the ballpark to grab an item that we sold him. And it's a person that I had met previously when he sold me something, you know, and I just met him down in South Florida, you know, yeah, that's awesome. at, a gas sta- at a gas station uh, to, you know, to fulfill the transaction. It's just such a cool, you know, like it's almost like a circle of life sort of, sort of effect going on here. That's really cool. All right. So moving on to my next question, um, what kind of window can you give, you know, like the, the average baseball fan who may not know much about it into the authentication process? So I think a lot of people don't really understand how a ball gets from, you know, a line out to shortstop to being sold in the Marlins team store or the Braves team store. Or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I'm glad you you brought up baseballs because all these items sort of have their different uh, their different path to us, if you will. You know, baseball. Um, each game, at least for us, the Marlins, we have two authenticators, one on each side, and they're tracking. Uh, and it's like very old school, if you will, on pen and paper, basically uh, the lifespan of a baseball. You know, sometimes I've seen authentications that give it you know, two, three batters and, and it's used for eight or nine pitches, you know, might, maybe even a couple of hits before it either ends up as a pitch in a dirt, a foul, and then we collect it. Uh, obviously, sometimes you have the ones that like are, you know, doubles and stuff like that in the gap that immediately just get thrown out or, or thrown off to the side. Um, for the most part, um, just having witnessed it myself, the players, the coaches on both sides, they're pretty knowledgeable about what happens with baseballs. And oftentimes the folks that actually don't realize what's happening are the fans. They see a ball come in and immediately, you know, that kid in them is like, Hey, like I want to get a baseball. And they start waving their hands. Unfortunately for them, those balls are already sort of been ticketed to the authenticators and they're going to storm there. And they, they basically divide them up. Uh, you have sort of the specialty um, baseballs, which are going to be the hits, the strikeout stuff of that nature. And then you have the detailed balls, uh, which are going to be the ones that are, you know, pitches in the dirt, you know, you might get a ground out, fly out, stuff like that. Uh, and then basically they come into two piles to us and we can sell them directly there. Usually by about partway through the game, I'll have a nice little selection. Uh, oftentimes, you know, I'll have somebody approach the kiosk during the game and say, Hey, can I get a ball from tonight? You know, it's first game for me and my daughter, for me and my son, whatever it might be. 
And uh, those are the moments that are really special to me at the ballpark because you can see them like, oh my gosh, like this ball that is now in my hand was literally on the field a couple innings ago. And I think it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a magical moment for them uh, to kind of see that process and, and how it ends up in their hands. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that kind of window into it for the average guy. All right. So my next question to you is how much interaction would you say you have with the players, if at all? Yeah, I, I think it's hard for me to fully answer that now because of the world we live in, unfortunately, with COVID. Um, they've really tightened up. And it's not like security as a, as a you know, player safety, like somebody's going to come in there and, and do something silly. It, it has to do with COVID and, and really sort of lessening the, the likelihood that the players are going to interact with somebody at the ballpark. Uh, you know, and then we have to do our own contact tracing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in, in, in my, you know, position, I'll see them inside the building just kind of going through it, you know, but it's usually not one of those where you would ever stop to, to approach them, stuff like that. Once we're on the field, um, you know, I can get as close as the dugout, but because of everything with COVID and the, the different sort of uh, protocols that we have in place, I actually myself would not go into the clubhouse or the dugout while the players are present, mainly because of that, that I've already mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I imagine it'd be something like that. I just wanted to hear what you'd say about it. So thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm hopeful that that one day I can even see, if you will, more behind the curtain, you know, once we're back inside the, the clubhouse and stuff like that. Uh, I, I'd love to see just, just as a, I guess, like a fan and a collector, like that moment where the player physically takes off the, the item to the jersey and drops it into that bin and, and see kind of like the, the authenticators go to work and, and making sure that everything's preserved, you know, the integrity. Because I hear all about it and I know about it, but I've never physically been able to witness it myself. Yeah, I bet that'd be a really cool moment whenever it happens. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So what would you say would be the most difficult aspect of your job? And what would you say would be the most rewarding on the other hand? It's a great question. Um, the, the most difficult aspect is, is availability, to be honest. Um, and it's not just, you know, like, like I'll get, I'll get, because I'm, I'm connected with game use on, on Facebook and stuff like that. I'll get on the fly, you know, like as they occur, sort of like, Hey, you know, Juan Soto just hit a double, uh, you know, did you guys collect that? Um, I did that too. It's, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. And it's one of those things where, like, first of all, we have a tracker that's not available to the public, so I can see things faster than, say, somebody who's just running numbers on the authentication website. Uh, but even that stuff is delayed in entry and usually two to three innings. Um, the, the cool thing for me is because we have such a good group, you know, I can ask that question in a group chat, and as soon as the authenticator can take his eyes off the field, uh, maybe in between innings, they, they're always really good about saying, yes, we got it, or no, we didn't. Um, but even stuff like that sometimes is interesting. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Sandy Alcantara for us through a career high 14 strikeouts at home against the Mets. Uh, his, his 14th strikeout coming in the ninth inning, he just was insane that night. And as soon as it happened, I had people reaching out to me for that ball. And I saw that we had gotten it. So I'm like, all right, this is great. You know, it's going to fetch a nice, 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 you know, nice amount of money for us. And, and the fan's going to be happy. And I basically had it signed, sealed, and delivered. And then I'm looking through the ball for the ball once I'm back down there looking for the physical ball to, you know, to package up. And then I don't see it. And I'm like, it should definitely be in the special pile. Like, why isn't it here? And that's when I reached out to the authenticator. Then I said, oh, no, I handed it to Sandy. So that's another thing that happens, too. You know, it's that's a 14 strikeouts. That's, I think that's tied to that's the second highest. Yeah, in, in, our, in our franchise's history. And, um, you know, 
the, the players are, are also fans too. You know, they, they want to be able to, to take something from that moment, their, their own sort of uh, achievement and, and sort of, you know, immortalize it, if you will. And I think we, uh, when I say we, like the Marlins and we also as collectors have to kind of keep that in mind too, um, that, you know, they're kids just like we are. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for that answer. All right, so since since I am doing this for Braves website, I got to ask you something Braves related. So, sure. how was the experience of obtaining all of uh, Freddie Freeman's or all the ones you could get of Freddie Freeman's various cycle balls from his cycle this year in Miami and putting them up for sale? Because I'm sure you got a lot of people reaching out for you, to you for that stuff. Oh yeah, um, if I remember correctly, he 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 completed the cycle on the home run, um, and yeah, immediately, home run. yeah, and immediately on that. Um, the, the first sort of notification, because I remember that night, I, I can't remember what I was doing. I, I definitely wasn't at the ballpark. It was like a midweek home game for us. And I found out that he hit the cycle through my boss saying, hey, we got this ball, we got that ball. Um, because obviously that's a big deal. You know, the, my first thought was, wow, there's people that chase, you know, a player like career cycles. Hey, like I'll grab a single here from 2021. Uh, here's a triple from 2020 and eventually they compile all four hits. And that for them is like a career cycle of a, of a player's hits, you know, obviously the triples and the homers be, being the hardest to come by. Uh, I'm like, Oh my gosh, in theory, we could have all of that from the same night. Like it's just insane that we'd be able to get all that. You know, imagine what that one collector would be able to do with that. Um, but then it became apparent, and this goes back to availability that we had the double, we had the triple, the single was never recovered. It was just one of those balls that came back. Um, you know, not a big deal at that point in the game. It's not like the single was the one that gave him the cycle yeah. and it probably got fouled out or, or something else happened to the ball. We just never recovered it. So we still had the two, you know, there were the three bigger pieces, including the home run. Uh, the home run was hit the dead center and uh, our authenticator could actually see it where it was, where it landed in the, in the shrubs out there. Uh, I think it's hard, artificial out there for us in center. And we were already working with uh, one of the, the ball boys uh, down, I believe, the right field line to retrieve it. Uh, so I knew we were going to get it immediately. But then word came, and I'm really glad that we did this too, that we had given that ball back to Freddie. It was authenticated. It's not like we never got to recover it. It was authenticated, but then also was never made available because Freddie had it in his That's awesome. His I didn't know he got it. It's super cool. Yeah. 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 And, and it's one of those where like the home run's always going to be the tough one to get, you know, all the other stuff is going to stay in the field of play. Most, most oftentimes less like a, a ground rule double. Um, but to have that one be the one that, that gave him his second career cycle uh, and that we were able to get that for him. It's one of those things where well, you'll never see it on the bottom line. I won't be able to say, Hey, I sold that. But at the same time, I know that we did right by the player, even if it wasn't our own player, you know, speaks volumes to the integrity of our organization as well. Yeah. That's really great. Um, so have you guys actually sold the double or triple balls yet? Or are those still just we, we did, we did sell them. Yes, we did. Awesome. Great. I'm sure, I'm sure someone will appreciate them very much. Just like Freddie appreciates yeah. his ball. They went to the same collector. That's all I'll say. So they're, they're in the same home. <laughs> awesome. All right. So if you're at liberty to share this, my next question is how is a lot of the money that comes with selling authenticated items used by the organization? If you're allowed to say anything on it. That's a really, really good question um, and not one that I'm entirely sure of, to be honest. Um, I know that for us, you know, we're kind of a separate entity from retail, technically, because retail is owned by Fanatics as it is now across Major League Baseball. Uh, and that's within the last couple of years. 
Um, so I don't know if the, the revenue that we generate goes into like a retail sort of bin, if you will, or if it goes somewhere else to the team. Uh, I know that we also work hand in hand with the foundation. So we always help them. Uh, and it can be in a couple of different ways. We either give them back with some of our net proceeds or we can also help them by giving them actual items. Uh, for example, this year, our Jackie Robinson Day items were never sold by the Authentics program. They were sold um, by the, uh, the foundation, and that's how they, you know, we were able to contribute to them. Awesome. And they were able to, to, to raise some money for a great cause. Awesome. Well, thank you for answering that to the best of your ability. So my last question for you is what I was looking forward to the most. And what is, what is your favorite item in your collection? Since we talked earlier about the fact that you do collect a lot of stuff, so I'm going to start, I'm going to answer the question myself first. I'm going to show you my favorite item. Sure. And then we can end with you. So I have a Stoneman Douglas hat from spring training of 2019 that was wow. worn by William Contreras in that game. And I'm not sure, wow. I'm sure you know about this, but like during that game, they, um, they wore the hats because of an honor of the victims of that shooting that happened that year or the year yeah. previous and um, all the money for those sales went to charity. And I didn't acquire it that way directly. It was like earlier this year. But that's just for me, that's the coolest item I have in my collection. That's awesome. And, and, and obviously something that, um, that was paying homage to, a, to an incredibly tragic uh, you know, moment. And I think it especially hits home for me because the school that I work at, the high school, is, is a large school like Stillman Douglas is. And, and I remember... Uh, my first year there, I work at Windermere High School, uh, talking about how, hey, it could happen there, it can happen anywhere. And, and we took that to heart, you know, with some of the preparation that we would do and and, and trying to instill into our, our students that, you know, drills and take them seriously and stuff like that. So that's that's an awesome piece, man. I'm glad that the Braves, who you would think would be otherwise disconnected, being a different state, still felt the, you know, that it was right for them to do that. I think yeah, that's, yeah. that's awesome with our organization. Um, for me, um, it's a uh, man. I have I have a lot of jerseys. Um, I don't really frame pieces, uh, just because I like to be able to touch them and feel them, and you know, and look at them periodically. That's that's I think one of the coolest things about our hobby. I agree. Um, but I do, <laughs> I do have one jersey that's framed. Um, let me see if I can get it on screen here. What's the uh, the button here? Is that it? Uh, it's a Jose Fernandez rookie jersey. Uh, interestingly enough, it was actually authenticated to the to a day against the Braves. Oh wow! Really? Um, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. But um, I remember looking at this jersey and just through the glass because I didn't want to open it, being able to actually um, photo match it to multiple starts from his rookie season uh, because it's authenticated. And that's one of the things that we didn't discuss, but we can if you want to. It, it's authenticated. Sure, to absolutely. Day that he hadn't pitched. It was like a rest day for him. Um, but because the, the Jersey was so heavily worn and I could even see it through the, through the, through the glass, I was able to photo match. It's like four or five stars from his rookie year. Uh, and I did get it after he, you know, he tragically died and, and the two other gentlemen that were on the boat, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, that's definitely my, my coolest piece. It's the one that I get to see every single day without having to go into a closet, you know, and go searching for it. Um, but yeah, the, the authentication process with jerseys is super interesting to me. And, and it's changed over the years, like the process that they would have used back then in 2013 when Jose was a rookie. And now in 2021 is, is different. Uh, they use covert marks now, which is just this sort of like invisible ink, uh, quote unquote invisible. If, if you know what to look for, you'll find it, uh, especially on like some of the darker colors. It, it kind of shows a little bit more than say like a white. 
Um, but they basically use that. And then once they have established that mark, they can just simply scan the jersey's barcode multiple times throughout, throughout a season. Uh, so let's oh. say you do the first one on, let's say the first time you wear a white jersey. So let's say April 1st, right? You could have a player wear that jersey four or five, 10, 15 times after the fact throughout the season. Uh, and you can scan it. So you basically add all these games, all these stats, you know, for us as collectors, like we want to see those jerseys that are well-worn. We want to see jerseys that have stats to them because then you, you know, uh, instead of find, finding four or five jerseys to get a couple home runs out, out of them, you have wonders that has all the, the home runs and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and without, you know, having to do photo matching and stuff like that, you have an authentication that, that gives you that. Uh, but there's a rub to that too. So the, the jersey itself is not stickered until it's going to be taken out of play, retired, if you will. Uh, in my mind, the sticker, and, 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 and kind of try to bear with me on this, works almost as like a time machine. If you've marked a jersey covertly, say the first year of the season, and you go to sticker it, say, game 82, for example, if you haven't connected the bridge between the sticker and the jerseys, individual covert marks throughout the season, it almost works like a time machine reverting back to the original mark. So you could have a jersey hmm. that gets marked in April and gets worn through June, for example. And if you don't properly connect that, the authenticators know how to do it, obviously, and they have protocol for that. But if, if they miss a step, for example, the only date that might come up on that sticker would be April 1st even though the jersey might have seen 20, 40, 50 games worth of wear after the fact. Um, and, and, and I know that for a fact because I'll give you an example. Um, Starling Marte, right? He was a mm -hmm. center fielder for us. We, we traded him at the deadline. Of course, the trade uh, being, I don't want to say unexpected, but, you know, the actual moment being unexpected. We were on a road trip. His jerseys were not subsequently covert marked uh, or, or authenticated that day. So when they added the sticker to it, they picked up on whatever dates they had previously done it. And in his case, for example, like a black one that he had, it was only literally, I think, April 2nd against the Rays, like the second day of the season. He probably wore that jersey 30 times afterwards, but because it hadn't been built like a bridge, basically the sticker took it back uh, to that to that early, early date. And of course, if the jersey would have not been previously covert marked at all and he gets traded, now it becomes a quote-unquote team-issued jersey. Once again, one that's probably beaten to heck, but because you haven't built that bridge, the authenticator with their protocols can only authenticate it as team-issued. And you see that a lot, especially last year with COVID, you know, authenticators weren't, weren't even allowed in dugouts, so they couldn't see the, the players take them off. Hence, they had to authenticate them as team-issued. Uh, but, I, but I always say that the informed collector will go through that painstaking process of trying to find photo matches and whatnot. So at the end of the day, you know what you have, even if the authentication is somewhat limited because of everything we've discussed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then one last thing, helmets, at least for us, we sticker them day one. Those players right now are wearing helmets with stickers inside. Really? Of, of course, we can always go back and scan the sticker to add a date. Let's say somebody goes off at three home runs in June. And they've been wearing that helmet since April. You want to add that date? We can do that. No problem. You can do a covert mark because you can't do ink on a, on a helmet. Um, but yeah, um, there was, we had a couple guys get called up here recently. I looked at the tracker. Nick Fortes, his helmet was stickered the very first day uh, before he put it on even that first at bat, um, which he singled, I think, in his, in his uh, MLB debut for first at bat and then homeward. Uh, but yeah, that's how we do it. Not not to say that everybody else does it that way. I've even heard stories from the authenticators for the players, especially the more superstitious ones, will see that sticker and start 
start trying to uh, take it off and we're like no 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 <laughs> if not you know once again we lose all those 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 previous dates and whatever else it would have been marked for and then have to start again but it is what it is once again the collector will know um so it's it's not uncommon to see a helmet uh sticker say april 1st and they're using it in september that is i can tell you that that is happening right now on our team unless it's been cracked or retired for some other reason uh helmet you know size is going up and down for players and stuff like that there are helmets right now that we're going to get at the end of the season that when we run the authentication, we'll say April 1st and that they're wearing them right now as we speak. And that's super cool. I, I, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, I just have to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with me. I've wanted to do this for quite a while. And I finally worked up the nerve to ask you when I did a few weeks ago. <laughs> I'm glad you did Kyle. This is really cool for me too. So I really appreciate it. And anytime that I can share, you know, some of the stuff that I've learned, in my short time um, working as uh, as uh, as a authentics coordinator, um, but also even collecting, I, I love to. I could talk about this all day. So it's never a word for me. That's just so cool. Well, like I said, thank you so much for your time, and I'll be uploading this to YouTube soon, so a lot of people, ho- hopefully, a lot of people can watch it and see, and learn a little awesome. bit more. Sh- shoot me the shoot me the link so I can check oh, it out. Oh, definitely. Don't worry. You'll be the first person to get to. <laughs> I appreciate you, Kyle. Thank you so much, brother. Take care, man. Thank you too. This fully authentic edition of the Tomahawk Tick Podcast is a production of TomahawkTick.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants, and while Minute Media allows us to sign all the talent we can use, well, actually, this time we did call up Kyle from the Taxi Squad to help out today, and he might have earned himself another start, too. Thanks, Kyle. Good job. All rights reserved. None of the musical selections used today come to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license because I didn't interrupt the interview to add one. So, all of the music used comes via rights already purchased by TomahawkDick.com. We've got, like, real authentic invoices and stuff to prove that, too. Hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast today as we remind you that it doesn't get any more real than playoff baseball, which we're all going to see next week for our Atlanta Braves. So we'll see y'all out there for the next inning. Good day. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.